Welcome to episode number 34 of Messing About in Ships for March 12, 2009. This week, John does an interesting interview with Stas Magaranas, the president of Santa Maria Shipowning and Trading, and they talk about the benefits of short sea shipping. We chat about a few other maritime topics as usual, and then we end up with a music mashup. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 34 of Messing About in Ships podcast. I'm Peter Mello from Sea Fever Consulting, and my podcasting partner and friend is Captain John Conrad from gcaptain.com. Hey, John. How's it going out there? It's going great. How's it going in, uh, in the Massachusetts area? Good, good. Typical New England weather. Um, last a week ago today, we had a snow day for school, and, t- and over the weekend, we had 65-degree weather. So it's typical New England uh, end of winter, early spring. How's the weather out there? Uh, 72 and sunny. Wow, this doesn't change much. That's pretty boring out there, huh? Uh, yes, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> so what's new at G-Captain? Nothing. Uh, G-Captain's doing great. We, uh, we're over uh, 10,000 page views a day now, so we got to really thank all our, uh, our members. And uh, the forum's really doing great. The people love the new... Uh, software and uh, we made it easy we just uh, put a new feature connect with Facebook so you don't even have to create a new account you can just use your Facebook um, credentials so it's oh, going wow. well cool that's that's handy that's any nice. new projects at Sea Fever Consulting um, well I launched I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not but I launched a social media consulting unit out of Sea Fever called Seas Media and um, we're working on a few maritime projects some some interesting in-house stuff and then just created a website for the New Bedford Port Society which is a nonprofit um, dates back to 1830 that uh, was um, probably made Initially, most famous by Herman Melville, he referred to it as a whaleman's chapel in Moby Dick, and um, it's a cool historic organization that uh, has its roots in trying to provide for the moral improvement of sailors, of seamen, and um, it's existed over this whole time to really help the waterfront community in New Bedford, and um, I'm pleased to be part of it and put a little website together for them for that, and got a few other interesting things going on, but that's kind of what's new over here. The moral improvement of semen, that's a, uh, that's a mission that's never going away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's good, good foresight. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, what's really interesting is how an organization it kind of transforms itself, started in 1830 as that, but was so successful over its life that um, it now has probably some of the most uh, valuable historic real estate in the historic national park that's uh, down the Whaling Park in New Bedford. Um, the buildings, um, a very, very uh, national historic uh, register in the National Historic Register, and um, you know, very, very beautiful buildings. So uh, the continuity of service kind of uh, creates a, a dual mission now to promote the historic preservation of, of uh, the whole waterfront area of New Bedford. So it's right across the street from the Whaling Museum, and um, it's interesting. So if you've never been there, you got to check it out. It's open. Uh, I think we actually are open in the summertime, so it would be opening, I think, around Memorial Day. Um, but check the website out. It's portsociety.org. 
And uh, it's still a little bit of work in progress, but you can check it out and see the pictures. And there's a little film clip from a uh, 1956 uh, movie of Moby Dick with Orson Welles' uh, Father Maple, who was the uh, famous first chaplain of the um, Siemens Bethel. So what Great. else you got? I've uh, been to the museum. It's a wonderful museum. Yeah, it is. They're doing some really good things. They launched a blog just recently. I've kind of been helping them a little bit, um, guiding them a little bit with some social media ideas. They actually have a Twitter account, too. And we're working on some, uh, potentially going to hopefully work on some interesting ideas to get them, uh, use uh, social media to promote the mission of the museum. So hopefully have some success there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, the, just the the absolute explosion of uh, Twitter. I I remember uh, it was well over a year ago. You uh, really introduced it on messing about in chips, but it was a, a difficult concept to kind of understand. And uh, they put a lot of features in uh, to make it a little easier. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, the recent um, uprise of it? It's interesting. It's social media and social networking sites are really taking off. Uh, you know, I think not only Twitter, but uh, um, also Facebook. I just noticed in the last few months the numbers of people who are new on Facebook and, you know, joining in the fray. It's uh, pretty incredible. But Twitter itself is, uh, you know, I've been fooling around with Twitter for, well, well I think a couple of years now, actually. When, when it first started, I kind of got on and been a little bit more frequent now. And you're absolutely right. You see a lot more people on there. A lot more um, brands are, are coming on Twitter. You see some maritime brands. I think you were just mentioning this morning before we came on this call, a couple of new ones that have gotten on there. We have some great maritime friends on there. Amver um, has a pretty active maritime Twitter account, and they're the rescue uh unit of uh, the Coast Guard in New York. Ben Strong heads that up, and we had him on uh, Messing About and Ships podcast a couple episodes ago with a great interview. So, yeah, it seems to explode. have recently exploded. Um, uh, Ev Williams did a, was at TED and did a talk, so if you have a chance, uh, go see TED talk, the TED Talks he did. It's kind of interesting. Um, it seems to uh, really hit the mainstream. It's on it's kind of interesting. We were on vacation in Florida a couple of weeks ago with a family and uh, watching the weather report and uh, you know the local news stations twittering. So uh, everybody seems to be a Twitter about Twitter. How about you? You feel more comfortable about it now? Yeah, I'm, I'm finally getting the uh, the hang of it, and um, it's it's amazing. Uh, just in the past uh, two weeks, a number of uh, really uh, name brand maritime institutions, uh, the biggest being Lloyd's List. But you also have uh, Crowley um, Maritime and uh, a, a number of uh, ferries. We included on today's um, uh, Maritime Monday uh, kind of a link to some of the uh, bigger operators. Um, but I encourage everyone to, to, to participate, and uh, it's really a great place. It's like blogging, but it's, it's so much easier. You're limited to 140 characters, and uh, that means that uh, no one can write these the three-page long posts. It's really uh, short, easy-to-consume information. And it's also real-time. So, um, you know, as an event happens, you start to, to see it come up. I subscribe to the U.S. Coast Guard Twitter stream. There's also a guy, just yesterday, I um, uh, subscribed to Emergency News. Uh, any large uh, problems they're having in the world, uh, he t Twitters about it, earthquakes, 
um, stuff like that. But it's it's a great place to share links and ideas and talk about different uh, topics. Just uh, this weekend, I uh, participated in a real interesting conversation. Should uh, what to what degree should the U.S. military get involved in in social media? And what kind of came out of it were you know national security concerns. Um, and such, but just being able to talk to some uh, top people in the Navy in real time uh, is just incredible. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a great tool, it's a great communication tool, and um, it's uh, it it's also connects you. Um, Rich Lazara, actually, who um, uh, we did an interview with Messing About and Ships podcast, I think the last episode or the one before, um, we met through Twitter. So it's uh, definitely. Definitely an interesting place to meet people. If you're going to use it, you can. Um, it's it's a free service, and uh, you can use it through the web. But the most value you get out of it is if you download one of these desktop applications. And a couple of popular ones, TweetDeck is is extremely popular, and um, I've used that. Um, but I'm currently using Twirl, the latest version of Twirl, and it just gives you so much more functionality than if you just have it on. Uh, through a web browser. So um, if you're interested, I highly encourage you to look into those um, desktop applications. They're uh, Adobe Air applications, and um, they make they make using Twitter um, a whole lot uh, more effective. So, and They work you, on Mac and PC and, and Linux, I believe. Yeah, and if you're going to um, join and um, you, you know, you... you you want to follow uh, John or I? Um, uh, I think uh, my hand, my uh, Twitter ID is Peter Mello, and it's just P E T E R M E L L O. And uh, you put an at sign before it. And uh, John is uh, G Captain, right, John? That's correct. So you just go Twitter.com/slash G Captain. Yep. So um, anyway, it's a it's a cool it's a cool uh, place to uh, discover new things and meet new people and uh, and uh, Promote some of your own ideas. Um, you know, people generally stay away from heavy promotion of what they're trying to do here. One thing, uh, just just a side note, you mentioned Lloyd's List. I put a little thing out there with Lloyd's List. They kind of annoyed me a little bit because they put up their headlines, but it's you click on a link and it brings you to a page where you have to have paid a lot of money for a subscription to read the article. And I, you know, I just I think that's probably a pretty ineffective um, use of Twitter. Um, but uh, you know, because a lot of Twitter users are not going to be um, subscribers to Lloyd's List, so so you know, companies got to find their own way through how to use these tools. But um, that one, when I was a, a Twitter fail, I think. Anyway. I just turned off the automatic. Uh, it was G Captain's headlines were automatically going up on Twitter, and I just turned that off because um, you know, really waiting for the right time but you know not not everything we publish is is great for twitter so it's it's a lot uh, more effective for us to um you know just put in links at, into the conversation rather than post it um automatically yeah sure well i actually i don't you know sea fever blog doesn't post as frequently as you do but um with both sea fever and weekly leader i do use twitter feed and um especially with weekly leader um i've gotten really good feedback from those posts being published out there from people and, and the reason the way you can kind of sense that is a lot of my uh weekly leader posts get retweeted which means that somebody reads it and thinks it's valuable and then passes it on to somebody else and then somebody you know that it, it happens quite frequently with weekly leader posts um so anyway twitter i think we've maybe 
Twittered enough about Twitter here and um, move on to the next topic. What, what, what do you have next, John? Well, the big uh, news story of the week is uh, the, uh, the Costco Busan oil spill in San Francisco. Uh, pilot John Coda um, pled guilty to uh, federal charges and uh, faces jail time. Wow. What do you think was so, behind that? Well, it's really interesting, and it goes back to uh, social media and and just the power of the the internet. Um, a week and a half ago, the a anonymous tip came in on our GCAP forum saying that he was uh, uh, about to enter into this plea uh, bargain. And uh, I, I searched everywhere. I called my contacts at the uh, San Francisco Chronicle and um, Fair Play and uh, you know, all my other journalistic resources. We, we uh, called up the um, federal courthouse and, and just nothing came of it. There was no, uh, no news, no information. Um, but there it was on the GCAT forum. So we kind of sat on the story and then uh, took a week and a half for the San Francisco Chronicle to, to break the story. Um, and what what basically occurred is, um, you know, he was looking for a, a, a lighter sentence and went into a uh, plea bargain, um, and it's going to uh, it's going to be jail time. Uh, oh. uh, so it's it's um, it's it's really interesting. It comes with both jail time and. Um, a uh, fine of between three and thirty thousand dollars, and okay. uh, it's um, uh, it's it's pretty revolutionary. If uh, everyone remembers the Exxon Valdez, um, now this was a completely different set of circumstances. It's really easy in this case to for uh, journalists. Um, most of them inexperienced in, in, in maritime affairs, and even us who have backgrounds in maritime, it's really easy to draw connections between uh, two cases just because oil was spilled. But the truth is it's uh, vastly different scenarios. But the fact of the matter is that Captain Joe Hazelwood was c cleared of all charges, and his license um, was returned to him. He right now is fully licensed to be the captain of another um, oil tanker. Uh, he doesn't choose to do so. Uh, he's, he's stayed shoreside since. But uh, John Coda not only uh, gave in his license, and that looks like it's going to be permanent now, but uh, he faces uh, jail time. And just yesterday we did a post that the world's 10 largest uh, oil spills where the um, uh, captain or pilot did not face jail time and this was actually all I did for this post was um, uh, pull an old post that we did uh, two years back the 10 of the world's largest oil spills and just change the title because uh, this is really um, revolutionary in the fact that uh, the culpability is going to uh, the ship, and not only the ship, but it's going to the pilot. Historically, pilots get on and they're just advisors, and they don't have any criminal or even civil liabilities for accidents that happen. It's all on the ship owner and the captain. So this this case not only is a member of the shipboard crew or a guy who was on the ship going to jail, but it, it is a pilot who... Uh, historically has been pretty 
uh, immune to, to these kind of charges. Interesting. And what's the feel for any, any, uh, anything you've read in the media about the length of the sentence? Um, I, I, I wrote about it and it's, um, uh, drawing a blank right now. I think it was, uh, two months to three years, but I'd really have to uh, look it up again. Okay. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on that. And when, when is the sentencing? Do you know? Any rough? No, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure that'll be subject for discussion on the forums um, for a long time. uh, Sure. And uh, Joe Keefe of Maritime Executive, uh, we've been bouncing uh, uh, ideas off each other, and he is going to write an article in Thursday's version of the Maritime Executive's free newsletter that really um, uh, points to the implications this is going to have on the industry. So I, I really look forward to reading that article. Well, cool. Well, what other news you got? What else is hot? I uh, the um no, nothing uh, terribly hot. It's been pretty slow, you know. The piracy continues. Um, there was just a, uh, a recent article in uh, Fair Play, I believe, saying uh, piracy in Somalia is slow, but Nigeria has risen. Nigeria, there are uh, starting to be copycat crimes. So, uh, you know, people elsewhere in the world that say, hey, these uh, Somalis are making good money at this. Uh, why don't we try this? And uh, uh, this happened first in Nigeria with a bourbon offshore vessel uh, was taken hostage and um, released for an undisclosed sum. And uh, they're, they're continuing to copycat um in the Malacca Straits, there was a vessel. Now, this is in the Malacca Straits is a, historically the heaviest uh, piracy activity. They did a lot to um, reduce the piracy recently, uh, but it's always been hit and run type things where they go in, they break apart the safe, steal the money, and leave, or they'd st- even steal the whole vessel but never take it hostage before. So there was yeah. a report uh, of the first hostage uh, in a long time situation in the Malacca Straits. Um, very, very little news on that fact. But, uh, and, you know, they, they say piracy has uh, reduced in number, um, you know, that the, the Somali situation is getting better. But it's really only gone from uh, about 12 hostages uh, uh, situations a month down to seven, so it's it's by no means uh, solved. Despite uh, really broad international effort to uh, put naval assets in the area and fix the problem, it, hmm. it's still happening. Hmm. So, so it's you're saying I'm sorry, seven incidents a month? Is that what you're just? Is that what that number was? You just correct. So it's the the current average. Um, not not full hostages. If you go to uh, Maritime, so the Maritime Administration, Mared, uh, it's mared.gov. Sorry, mared.dot.gov. They have a uh, special page for Horn of Africa piracy, and at the bottom they actually have a list of all the vessels uh, currently um, uh, held by these pirates. Uh, right now, it's at six vessels. So okay. a lot. Uh, there have been many um, 
there was a whole string of releases uh, in, just in the last week. And by it, seven, it's not just – it's not fully successful. But yeah, failed attempts. Have, okay. Uh, more than an attempt, a, uh, you know, uh, they, they did damage the vessel of one sort or another. Well, at least it looks like slight progress considering there's so much attention on it, but not near what needs to be. Um, scary part of the world. Absolutely. What do you have for this week? I really, you know, I don't have a lot to add this week. Um, I know we were chatting a little bit earlier. You're going to have a presence at the uh, uh, Connecticut Maritime Association's show coming up. Is that right? Yeah, this is the uh, the top sh- uh, show for the maritime industry and in the United States each year, and it's a yearly event held by. Um, the, uh, the m- folks at Marine Money and the Connecticut uh, Maritime um, Association. And uh, it's really a great show. We encourage everyone to go. We're going to be sharing a booth with the maritime executives. So uh, if anyone plans on going, it's in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, the 23rd through the 25th of this month. Great, great. And if you end up going there, you'll be um, willing to sign autographs for people that come by the booth? Podcaster, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get my stick to uh, keep them away. <laughs> Excellent. You, you bring a security, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, we uh, have an interview. Mike, to- Mike will have. Mike just got a new pair of sunglasses. They kind of look like uh, the FBI issue. So we'll make sure he's uh, fully aware. <laughs> um, what uh, you did an interview. It's. Uh, probably about a month and a half, maybe even a little more than that old, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's been sitting in the can here. I finally got a chance to edit it, and we're going to play it now. You want to set that up for people so they get an idea who you're talking to? Yeah, it's a month and a half old, but none of the the situations still remain the same. I wrote an article for uh, Noah's Magazine, which should be coming out uh, shortly, on uh, green shipping initiatives uh, with heavy concentration on the kite ship, um, the Beluga Sky Sails. And uh, this was actually one I got through Twitter. Um, I put a request after when I was writing the no article, I put a request out on Twitter. Um, does anyone, is anyone working on green shipping initiatives? And I uh, got, got a uh, tweet back from uh, Santa Maria Shipping and we did an interview and uh, some really interesting things going on. And it's, uh, this interview is about short sea shipping initiatives. So rather than when a container ship comes into port, rather than putting that cargo on trucks, uh, which add to traffic congestion, uh, large amounts of CO2 release, and et cetera. They re- they're looking to uh, take cargo off of ships and put them on smaller ships uh, and bring them to smaller ports um, and really using the waterways, which, you know, shipping is counts for a lot of CO2 pollution uh, in the world, but it's just because of the volume of materials being shipped. Uh, ships continue to be the most efficient means of transportation and thus the most environmentally friendly. So if we can get uh, the further, the closer to the end point, the end warehouse or store that we can get materials uh, by ship, uh, the better off everyone's going to be. And, and this Santa Maria shipping is really at the forefront of these initiatives. Let's go to the interview and hear what uh, Santa Maria Shipping has to say. 
I'm here today talking with Stas Margonis, uh, the CEO of Santa Maria, Santa Maria Shipping. Did I get that right, Stas? Well, it's Santa Maria Shipping and Trading, but one of our subsidiaries is Santa Maria Shipping, so either of them will do fine. Great. And uh, I got your information through a request I put through Twitter for green ship initiatives. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on with, as far as short sea shipping? Sure. What we're doing is we have a proposed a marine highway bill to the House Transportation Committee. This is a result of many years of work and our working uh, to try and get ships built in the United States for U.S. coastal trades and uh, hopefully for our trade to Hawaii. The Marine Highway Bill would reauthorize money for the Title 11 loan guarantee operated by the U.S. Maritime Administration. It would, uh, we propose $350 million that would guarantee a 66-ship fleet that could take 20,000 trucks off of U.S. roads and highways, create 20,000 jobs, mostly in shipbuilding, but also in cargo handling, and 2,000 mariner jobs. The big advantage of this is that as congestion problems and pollution problems uh, get worse, the ships provide a lower-cost alternative they operate with two-thirds of the fuel required per truckload, and that would result with a similar savings in carbon dioxide emissions. Very interesting. Uh, so most of the short-sea shipping initiatives I've seen have been uh, um, tug-and-barge-based, uh, moving containers that come into ports. Uh, what, what's different about your plan, and, and what, what type of ships are you, are you looking to build? Yeah. Uh, one of the problems that has faced us for the last 30 years is that in order to save costs, we have focused on tugs and barges rather than ships. Uh, the ship is a more efficient vehicle, and that's why everywhere else in the world, uh, short-sea shipping or the maritime uh, highway uh, initiatives are uh, operated by ships in Europe, Asia, for example. Uh, the, sh the ship is faster. Uh, it's more fuel-efficient. Uh, and it's uh, the uh, mode of choice because of those efficiencies. Any distance that you're likely to travel, even uh, two or 300 miles, the ship is likely to be much more efficient than the tug barge. That's not to say the tug barges don't have applications, and those would be for Columbia River and, and Mississippi River applications and the bulk trades. But that I don't expect to change. But in the case of time-sensitive cargo, containerized cargo, uh, the ship is definitely the way to go. What we've proposed is building a ship that would be almost totally uh, capable of carrying 53-foot containers so that we would be uh, uh, exact with the trucking companies who we hope will become the major users and also the major ship owners. It's, it's my hope that we'll be able to market uh, these uh, marine highway ships or short sea ships to companies like Walmart and uh, uh, Hunt Truck, JB Hunt Trucking, and 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 some of the big uh, uh, road movers. So get uh, help them to actively participate in the uh, shipping market. I'm sorry, your question was was uh, I didn't quite hear that. 
having uh, helping the the companies who are the um, bulk users of the containers uh, play more of an active role in the maritime um, uh, in maritime affairs and actual moving of cargo, huh? Uh, yeah, I think that the, uh, the the bulk users will continue to stay where they are. Um, the problem we've got is that time sensitive cargo is 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 an issue, and uh, it's got to be run by you know it's got to be you've got to run it by ship. Um, what happened is that about uh, six years ago, we made an we, we signed an agreement with the Coast Guard that recognizes the uh, uh, automation in manning that has occurred in the engine room. And that relieves us of a burden in terms of uh, uh, utilization. Uh, it means that we've got the same kind of uh, uh, automation that everybody else does in, in other parts of the world. Very, very interesting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, the history of your company and, and yourself? Possibly. Uh, well, my uh, my family's been in shipping for over 150 years. I'm in partnership with my cousin uh, uh, Isidore Margaronis. We've been trying to get a ship built in the United States for since 1998. A lot of the problem that we've faced is finance. Uh, we've had uh, uh, banks and financial institutions are reluctant to invest in American-made products. Uh, American manufactured products, especially things like ship that are heavy industry, which they feel should be done in uh, places like China or Japan or Korea. And I believe we can make a comeback in this trade, but we need to have uh, the support and we need to have the financial support. The, the MARAD loan guarantee program provides a, uh, a public uh, guarantee process that gets us loan guarantees that facilitates making that financing easier for banks to go through because it's it the, the loan guarantees would be backed by the US government so alleviating that risk problem is really important the second issue is that uh, there have been problems at American shipyards there have been cost overrun issues and there have been some failures, and that has made financial institutions understandably leery. Uh, Senator McCain actually was involved in an effort to defund the program uh, that uh, had kept it dormant for several years. But the, uh, uh, the new administration, the Obama administration, apparently is supportive of refunding the program, and there will be an effort to do that. The Marine Highway Bill that we're proposing goes a step further than the existing program. First of all, it earmarks the money for marine highway short sea applications. In other words, the ships have to be taking trucks off the road. Second, uh, we have a 100% guarantee, which will uh, diminish the need to go and get equity as long as you can show that you've got a trade that's guaranteed by shippers. We are doing some interesting things with the design. I mentioned the 53-foot container. That will make it a lot easier for trucking companies, I think, to get interested in. As of right now, there hasn't been that much interest because fuel prices were not an issue. But I think that trucking companies need to be looking at alternative modes. They already do use rail. 
uh, ships are an obvious place to go. We have long coastlines on the Atlantic coast and on the Pacific coast. We have the Gulf Coast and the Great Lakes. These are underutilized transportation modes, and we could be taking thousands of truckloads off the roads this way. So they offer an opportunity for government, for finance, for new economic development, but especially they also offer a way of cleaner, more fuel-efficient transport and a major economic revitalization at a time when we're in an economic crisis. Well, that's an interesting subject. Uh, the financial markets are in a mess. The price of oil is really unstable, and a new administration is coming in. How is this uh, change affecting uh, your business model? Must be keeping you busy. It, for the better. For the better. Uh, the, uh, the Obama administration has already indicated, as you know, that it wants to support an economic uh, stimulus plan. The Marine Highway Bill... Uh, as I said, could create 20,000 new jobs, and these would be manufacturing jobs and mariner jobs. They're decent-paying jobs. And the multiplier effect from the shipbuilding is substantial. For example, a, a service industry uh, creates about a half a job in indirect employment. A shipyard creates four jobs. So that's a, a, a big deal. Uh, the mariner jobs, which, of course, we're interested in, uh, would be substantially increased as well. Those are all decent-paying jobs. The other advantage is that if we replace the trucks for most of the road, we're still going to need that to do have them do pickups and deliveries at ports uh, going uh, to and from the destination. But we are eliminating a lot of carbon dioxide in the process of shifting on to uh, from trucks to ships. I should point out. The plan is for the ships to use ultra-low sulfur diesel. That's important because it means that the ships will be burning the same clean-burning diesel that uh, uh, new trucks are. So we'll have a very clean-burning uh, marine engine, and we already have the endorsement of Caterpillar uh, that's very interested in, in supporting our marine highway initiative. That's great news. Uh, we're also writing an article for NOAA magazine as we speak about the kite ships. And uh, recent news came out in the last few weeks about Toyota supporting an NYK line initiative to put solar panels on the top of their row rows. How, how do you see, are you working with uh, any groups or do you see a future collaboration to get really green shipping from uh, manufacturing facilities right to the end user? Yeah, uh, and that, that's a good question, and, and there's two, um, uh, two venues on that. When we looked at uh, uh, trades on the Atlantic coast and the Pacific coast for ship versus truck, uh, the ship was substantially cheaper than the truck, but we had the problem of of, of pickup and deliveries by truck, which still need to be made, that added a, a certain expense. The Port of Los Angeles right now is experimenting with new battery-powered trucks. They report that those trucks are using 20% of the uh, uh, fuel required uh, or the, the energy required uh, to move a, uh, a diesel truck using conventional diesel fuel. If our marine highway bill uh, can access those trucks. And in fact, one of the provisions in the bill is for loan guarantees for ports and harbors to expand their cargo handling. 
that could include these battery-powered trucks so that you would have a, a, a battery-powered truck picking up the box and delivering the box after it goes by ship. On the ship itself, we're looking at a diesel-electric configuration for the ships. Uh, that's not going to save us a huge amount of money over a conventional uh, diesel engine at the moment, but what it would do is if battery-powered technology does advance, it would give us the opportunity in the future to have the, uh, the ships powered at least in part by batteries, which would give us a substantial savings in fuel and emissions. The issue right now is that batteries are not uh, cost-effective uh, or uh, uh, energy-effective for marine engines because of the obvious uh, power required, but there are several initiatives that are going ahead right now for the federal government to fund battery uh, uh, development. That is very, very important, I think, to our industry because it could create the way for us to be uh, uh, to have a diesel electric with a, uh, a battery-powered ship at some point, just like the cars. That's, that's interesting indeed, and there, there's certainly some precedents going back to World War II with submarines and icebreakers uh, using that exact model. I guess it's the, uh, the, the, the amount of time and the power um, that you can store in the batteries. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, there's been uh, some research at Stanford University using nanowires um, in the batteries, which they say has provided them with a, uh, a, a tenfold increase in uh, capacity for the batteries. That tenfold increase, if that is translated um, into uh, uh, a tenfold increase in, uh, uh, if, if we have that kind of an increase, we will have the kind of power we need to operate the ships with. And those that we ought to be able to see a savings in costs, which ought to be able to get us across the street along the lines that you just described. The problem is we haven't invested in the technology. We haven't invested in new manufacturing. We haven't invested in our shipbuilding. We've relied on foreigners to produce all of these things, and now we're in a crisis. We don't produce anything, and that is a real result of, of 30 years of neglect and we need to get back into the production business into the manufacturing business into investing in our research and development the marine highway gives us the means to do a lot of that uh, just along the lines we've described we can have green ships they can be fuel efficient we can save shippers money and we can create thousands of new jobs but we need a pro manufacturing uh, strategy, and the maritime industry has an opportunity to grasp this and move forward and really help the country move forward, too. Well, it's really interesting. We were talking with the uh, with the founder of Kite Ship, and, um, located near you in Martinez, California, and he said exactly that, that, that Beluga shipping was really uh, able to get the first uh, uh, kite on a commercial ship because of government support and the added fuel yes. tax that goes to green initiatives. Um, at the same time, we were recently talking with uh, individuals at the Port of Rotterdam, and they're looking at our, the, the groundwork and the um, 
you know the research that's put in, put into the short sea shipping initiative to uh, to implement it in Europe. So it seems like we're at a unique opportunity to really uh, leapfrog. Um, you know uh, the Europeans and 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 provide a real value and and something the rest of the world can can uh, copy use and the magnification effects could be enormous. I think you're right. We we really we in the United States have an opportunity because we have a substantial coastline to really go back to ships, and uh, we've neglected ships and, and and the maritime industry for far too long. And and really, what we're talking about here is a 21st century Liberty Ship program. The Liberty Ship program during World War II helped us win the war. We weren't building ships prior to that, but we got into it. We were very successful. We are a manufacturing country. We can be a maritime country again. We have the ability if we've got the leadership. Here's where government can really make a difference, and, and, and the opportunities there are just as you describe. We've got those opportunities, but we've got to get the money, and we've got to get the political will to want to go and make it in the USA again. We've got to stop outsourcing all of this stuff because when you outsource, you don't produce and you become dependent. And that's what happens. That's what's happened to us over the last 30 years. We're dependent on foreigners for our technology. We're dependent on foreigners for our, our, our production and our consumer goods. And we're in debt to everybody. And you can't be in debt and, and, and be a sovereign nation. You have got to be independent, and you have got to start acting like you produce your own stuff and that you're self-sufficient. And what I'm hoping is this economic stimulus that the Obama administration is proposing will give us the, the, the opportunity to do that. We need to get, however, the House Transportation Committee focused on getting that Marine Highway Bill front and center before the administration, because it is providing the kind of money and changes in the program that will allow us to move quickly and get ships built quickly. The, the, the program as it stands right now uh, is, is very slow moving and was really oriented towards existing companies who really didn't need the loan guarantees. We've got to encourage new people to get into the market, whether they're a Walmart or whether they're you or me. The United States was built on small businesses, on new entrepreneurs, on people who are pioneers getting into things. And we need to get back into that spirit and stop having somebody in China or wherever produce what we could be doing here and employing our own people. Because at the end of the day, if we're going to get out of this economic mess, we have to be able to pay our people a decent family wage. And the maritime industry and this maritime highway initiative does that exactly. Uh, this is great, and we get a lot of uh, feedback on environmental articles that we write on G-Captain. We, we are environmentalists, and, and we do support the initiatives, but this is really great because it's combining uh, jobs for mariners with environmental initiatives and it's really the broad package that could bring uh, the real advantages to 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 every mariner and to the country, and not only to mariners themselves, the environment, but also help help advance our country and push some of these um, things worldwide. 
I, I really appreciate um, your time, Stas. Uh, I yeah. encourage all our, our listeners to uh, write their congressmen and um, to participate on our forums and, uh, and help us find these, these green initiative programs. Uh, send us an email. Uh, my email is john at gcaptain.com, and you have any green stories, tell us, bring us in. Anything else, uh, any last words, anything else our listeners yeah, can do? Uh, the, the Marine Highway Bill is at greenships.org, greenships.org, and uh, when you get to the uh, the front page, you'll see Marine Highway Bill. So the, uh, the whole uh, overview is right there, and you can pick it up and download it and read it yourself. Great, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I thank you for your, your time and uh, for bringing this issue to light. Captain, thank you very much, and uh, uh, it's time Americans went back to sea. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. part of the show um, if you'd like to join in the conversation we'd love to have you you can leave a comment on the show blog at messingaboutandships.com you can leave a comment over at john's blog which is gcaptain.com where he also has the amazing mariner forums that are extremely popular so get o- get over there and participate over there love to hear from you on my blog which is cfever.org and that's s-e-a-f-e-v-e-r.org um, you can send us an email at podcast at messingaboutandships.com, and if you attach an audio file to it, we'll find a way to integrate it into the show. We'd love to hear your voice on this instead of just uh, John and I. So there's no excuse. Um, come on, join in the conversation. Um, we'll close out this week with uh, a music mashup from mashuptown.com, and the song is uh, called Norwegian Recycling. Um, so it's an interesting mashup, interesting song. Hope you enjoy it. Look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks a lot. Into this tiny thinking.
inside's fall to pieces You just sit there wishing you could still 